Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Boom! I guess I like sports movies! Yeah, like real creepy-like. Did you notice him with his pants down? Oh, with his pants down? Yeah. I just noticed somebody was there. Yeah. No, his his pants are down. He's taking a dump. Is that? And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I want to do the secret cabal stuff. I don't want. I don't want to just go oh, and drink. Still, you still got to wear a cloak and stuff. No, I no, no. I want the. Up. I want the real cabal stuff. Like I want the stuff <laughs> for controlling the world. I want the secret. You know what? Screw that. Hello, I'm Mike Butler, and I'm Mike Field, and you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I kind of went through that a little faster, pal. Sorry, I've got to memorize blowing through it. Crackling you you memorized it? Mostly, yeah. Nice. What, you special or something? So, what are we doing today, Mike? We are doing the negotiator. I don't. I don't know the. I don't know the uh, score for that. You want my blood? All right, enough. Take my blood. We'll get to that. Sorry, we'll get. To, we'll get to that line. <laughs> Danny Roman is considered the best police hostage negotiator in Chicago. After a friend warns him that someone is embezzling from a disability fund, the person is found dead. Internal affairs investigator Niebaum, played by J.T. Walsh, discovers the gun used had been handled by Roman. When no one believes his innocence, Roman takes Niebaum hostage. And when Chris Sabian arrives to hear Roman's demands, the two skilled negotiators begin a tense standoff. You know what I can't negotiate? A good synopsis here. I this is terrible. Say, yeah, this, is this is synopsis is, mm, mm, I don't like this. I don't like this Google. Terrible. Google? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really reach hard for the synopsis when we, when we do these. <laughs> We'll get into what really the negotiator is about. <laughs> but, but the negotiator came out on July 29th, 1998. We're in the 90s. Woo! Is it, <laughs> what did I tell you about that stupid woo? Uh, to keep on doing it? Yeah. It's 140 minutes long. It's rated R. Production budget of $50 million. It's opening week, and it did $10 million. Domestic, 44, and then worldwide, 44. I guess it didn't get an international release or didn't do well. I'm surprised, Butler. Everybody that I talked to about this movie likes this movie or is has fond memories of this movie. Yes. And it didn't do well. I was also surprised when I saw its take. I was like, really? Yeah. It might have done better on home release. Maybe. 
Maybe I'm not. I I mean, spoiler alert. I'm not as high on this movie. I don't hate it, but I'm not as high on this movie as ever a lot of other people are. Of course you're not. I oh, shut <laughs> up. Just shut up. One day yeah. I'll find a good one. Well, well, that day is yet to come. Production company Regency Enterprises. Mandeville Films, New Regency, and Taurus Films distributed by Warner Brothers. So this has, like I said, I said the release date was the 29th of July, but I think it might have been just kind of like limited on the one at Wednesday because then it came out again, maybe wide on the 31st, because that's the listed one on Box Office Mojo is that it's the 31st that it came out. That makes more sense. But IMD Pro says the 29th. Eh, so opening on the 31st, you had The Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan, The Parent Trap, which is pretty good. Basketball, Ever After, A Cinderella Story. That is the Drew Barrymore one. August 7th, the week after, you had Snake Eyes, the Brian De Palma-directed uh, Nicolas Cage star movie, which it's not... I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's fantastic, but it's watchable. Like, I can sit there and watch Snake Eyes. It's okay. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time. It's dated. It's definitely like... Is it? It definitely feels dated. Uh, you also had Halloween H2O, 20 Years Later. Mm. Which one's that? That's the, That's one, the one where they got Jamie Lee Curtis back. Right. Well, the first time. The first for right, the first right. time. Yeah. And then you had a limited release, Safe Men. On the 24th of July, the week before, you had Saving Private Ryan. I think you probably know why this movie didn't do that much money. Saving <laughs> you had Private what? Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if I've seen that movie. Starring <laughs> Vin Diesel. Uh, <laughs> but he's in it. <laughs> you also had Mafia. That's the kind of naked gun like like oh that's not good air, air, no no not as good as the naked gun series or uh airplane disturbing behavior which is awesome i will say this i would say it's awesome disturbing behavior has one of my most memorable movie going experiences i think i've already talked about that before i don't know if i've talked about it on the podcast i don't think i don't know if you talked about it on the podcast so i saw disturbing behavior so i was in the city for a couple months way back in 1998 for uh, at the New York Film Academy, we were learning how, we were learning how to do medium shots and close ups, which I already knew, Ooh. but it was fun. <laughs> but anyways, we saw disturbing behavior in Times Square in the in the in the Lowe's or whatever it was at that point in the Virgin Megastore down below. That's where the theater was. Oh, and I remember we, that. We thing, saw yeah, yeah and it's, which is a huge theater. We saw it down there, and it was opening weekend. And I mean, this it must have been six hundred seats. It had to be six hundred seats, packed. We were in the front, and it was like. It was like the most raucous time watching a movie. And I didn't care. Like if you were laughing, we were, everyone was like cheering. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. A movie's not bad. I mean, it's basically Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, uh, young adult style, I guess. But it's, it's actually a pretty good movie. But that experience was always shaped or how I feel about that movie. So I've always liked that at that time. But anyways, you also had a limited release, Lolita and Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss. So those came out the week before our movie that we're talking about here, which is Negotiator, which is directed by F. Gary Gray. Mr. Gray has done the first Friday. I don't know if he did the other three or the other two. I believe he just did, did the he, first Did one. he just do the first one? Okay, he did A Man Apart, Straight Outta Compton, and he did The Fate of the Furious, and I don't know which one that is. That might be I think the it's the one where the rock pushes one. the rocket. <laughs> is that what it is, when he slides it on the ice? When he slides it on okay. the ice. Also, A Man Apart, even though it's a Vin Diesel film, which I don't hate Vin Diesel, but I think A Man Apart is actually pretty good, <laughs> I, if I remember correctly. I put it on the I put. That's why I put it down there. You liked it? I didn't hate it. I remember the cartel parts being like really kind of gory and really kind of realistic and gritty. Sure, sure. So I, I remember that part of it, but I'd have to watch it again. I didn't remember Timothy Oliphant was in it, which I noticed. I was like, really? Oh, right. I have to watch it right. I was watching uh, Passenger 57 was on TV the other night. <laughs> nice. And uh, someone was in that. I'm blanking on who it is now, but I was like a young version. I was like, oh my God, he's in this movie? I, that movie's only 85 minutes long. Did you know that? I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, need to revisit that. <laughs> <laughs> Written by James DeMonaco, 
Uh, he's done all the purges, the TV show, the. I know. I didn't know they were all written by the same guy. Right? Well, he, purge he, one is so different from the other one. He, I think he didn't. I don't think he wrote all of them because he gets the credit for some because their characters based on his or right, the story. Okay. But I know that he. I think he came back and wrote a couple of them. So yeah, but his biggest things are the purge and then the remake of Assault on Precinct Thirteen that they did a couple years ago. Yeah, a while ago. Uh, you also had Kevin Fox as a writer. He's done a lot of TV, uh, SVU, Law and Order SVU, and the TV show Lie to Me. Cinematography by Russell Carpenter. He won an Oscar for Titanic. He also has done Ant-Man, True Lies, which we were just doing quotes for True Lies before we started this podcast, and yep. then Critters. <laughs> <laughs> Composed by Graham Ravel. He has done The Crow, The Saint, the TV show Gotham, and Sin City. Produced by David Hoberman, who was nominated for an Oscar for producing The Fighter. He also has done The Muppets and Moonlight Mile. Arnon Milch- Milchan, or Milchan, I think it's Milchan. He had, was nominated for an Oscar for LA Confidential and The Revenant, two great films, and Bohemian Rhapsody. Pretty good, too. Edited by Christian Wagner. He has edited True Romance, Face Off, Furious 7, which I don't know what that is, and Total Recall, the 2012 remake. Never saw it. The remake? The remake. Yeah. It, the first, the Schwarzenegger one is so... I won't say iconic, but so just memorable and it's full of awesome lines and awesome stuff and action that I think this Total Recall was more serious minded. This was more tried tried to be more based on the book, which I did. I had read the original story, but I was just like, it didn't look interesting. It's really tough to judge this, this Total Recall, the the Colin Farrell one, because you're already going to think about the Schwarzenegger movie. And then when things are invariably different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Samuel Jackson plays Danny Roman. I hope a lot of people know who Samuel Jackson is. He was nominated for an Oscar for Pulp Fiction. Good job, Butler. Uh, he also did Unbreakable, Jackie Brown, and Do the Right Thing. He had Kevin Spacey as Chris Sabian. He's more recently known from TV uh, House of Cards. Well, not TV, I guess Netflix. He also won two Oscars, one for The Usual Suspects, and the other for American Sorry. Beauty. Thanks for playing, Butler. Come on, you got to come on. I'm trying to get you some. Sorry, 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 sorry. You had David Morse as Adam Beck. Uh, Morse was in The Green Mile, The Long Kiss Good Night, which I think we should put on a list because it's awesome, and Disturbia. It's not, not already on the list. Is it? I think it's already on the list. Um, he's the bad guy in Disturbia, right? Yes. Basically North by Northwest. No, no. By, what, by uh, rear, rear Window. Rear, rear excuse window, yeah. me. I got my uh, Hitchcock films mixed up. Ron Rifkin as Grant Frost, or Frosty as he keeps called in this movie. Uh, if you didn't know he was going to be the bad guy, you should watch Alias because that's all he is in Alias. He's the bad guy. That's the TV show. He's also in LA Confidential and The Majestic. John Spencer plays Chief Al Travis. He was in the West Wing TV show. He's also in The Rock and Presumed Innocent, another great film. J.T. Walsh plays Terrence Newbaum. He was in two movies that we did for Forgotten Cinema, which were Butler, Red Rock West, and same director, same director. Peter Berg. Oh my God. Oh my Linda God. Fiorentino. Oh my God. Oh my God. The Last Seduction. Last Seduction. Holy crap. Wow. He's also in Breakdown and A Few Good Men. Well, let me take some more. Let me drink some more coffee real quick. <laughs> Siobhan Fallon Hogan was played Maggie. She is in Men in Black, Greedy, Holes, and Forrest Gump. She's the bus driver in Forrest Gump. Egger. Egger. Yeah. Paul Giamatti as Rudy. He won an Oscar for Cinderella Man. He was also he in one for Cinderella. Yeah, that's what right. it's unless unless uh, MD Rose Lyon, I mean. He's also in Sideways. <laughs> he's, he was John Adams in the TV miniseries John Adams, and he was also Pig Vomit in Private Parts. So that's quite the uh, spectrum. <laughs> of, he's awesome in Private Parts, but Paul Giamatti is fantastic. I like Paul Giamatti. Really he's cool. fantastic in everything. Uh, you had Regina Taylor as Karen Roman. She's in the TV show The Unit. She also in Lean on Me and Courage in Her Fire. Michael Kudlitz as Palermo. The TV show The Walking Dead. He's in Gross Point Blank and the upcoming show Clarice, which is the Sons of the Lambs 
Is that still coming? I well, it was listed. I, I saw it. I wrote it down because I wanted to say to you, I don't want to see that movie. Because uh, I know what's his face who did Hannibal was saying that he's pretty sure he can get Clarice rights back because they aren't doing anything. Well, like that it. doesn't mean. Well, it's because they roll over. Who knows? Well, everything's in limbo. So, but yeah, I hear you. Listen, just bring him back. Bring no, no, back no. Hannibal. I got you. We're there. <laughs> he's the Hannibal cast now. Nestor Serrano was Hellman. It was in Bad Boys Secretariat the day after tomorrow. And finally, we had a Dean Norris sighting. Uh, who plays Scott. He's Hank from Breaking Bread, and he's also in Starship Troopers. I, don't, I always like the... The only reason why I put him in there is because I never never really knew who he was until you saw Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. But then when you go back and you start watching all these movies he's from the 90s age, you're like, oh my God, he's in this too. Like, you just don't realize it. All right, Butler. So I've already kind of given you a hint of what I thought of this movie. As per the you. Oh, shut up. Every other week. <laughs> I will say there's a couple of things that we were talking real quick that we didn't, I didn't know about. One was that this was going to be a Stallone movie. Yeah, I didn't know that. Either. So go ahead. Don't you uh, pop that out. So originally Sylvester Stallone was going to play uh, Chris Sabian and Spacey was going to play Danny. So their roles were kind of reversed. Danny is Samuel Jackson's character. So Spacey was going to be the guy taking the hostages and Stallone was going to try to talk him out. Which I don't know if no. that's the same movie. Yeah, that all of a sudden becomes some kind of weird Rambo clone, and it's almost like there's probably Stallone's more action. The sheriff, there's probably more action on the Sabian side. Like he's probably doing more. Oh, for sure. Yeah. he's stopping the attack. He's he's yeah. fighting with Danny. It, it becomes a different yeah. movie. You got a lot of like screaming Stallone falling in the, you know, stuff like that. And you get a really, you'd get a really different Danny as well. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I'm glad he dropped out. Yeah, <laughs> Stallone dropped out. Once Stallone dropped out, Spacey, you know, told the producers, "You wanted the other." I think I'd rather have Chris Sabian's part. Yeah, which worked better, I think, for the movie. Yeah, I think so too. He's more. I'm not. I mean, I think that, and this isn't comparing whether uh, comparing his how he would have played Danny with how Jackson would play Danny, but Sabian seems like somebody who should be more heady, more and kind of always thinking about like you're a hostage negotiator. You have to be. You can't just be always gung ho. Let's go in. Let you know, you know what I mean. You have right, to be more yeah. reserved. You have to kind of. They say like he's in charge because he's the one that has to call the shots. So I, I I agree with that switch. Good there. The other thing was that this is based on a real life event. I didn't realize that. No, I did not. So this is based on a, it was in 1988. So ten years prior to this movie, it was a St. Louis pension fund scandal where a policeman stole three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars from the fund, and then he took. He, he did it. He wasn't he wasn't wrongfully accused. <laughs> he did it. And then he took hostage the person that exposed him. So he was there was a hostage situation. He wasn't a hostage negotiator, but he did work on the team. OK. And then he took someone hostage, but then he like gave up 15 hours later or something like that. So it kind of was, you know, it ended. Right. But so it very still similar. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it was kind of. Oh, it wouldn't be cool if a hostage negotiator had, had to talk another hostage. Go, yeah, 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 yeah. But what, why, why, why? Well, look at the look at this article I found from 1988. <laughs> oh, please, you know, that could be good. Nice, nice. So, why don't you tell me something that you maybe still held up for you? What? <laughs> You're defeatist attitude. No, because like, I don't well, know. Why I, don't you tell it's me? A, what, it's yeah. not defeatist about talking about the movie. It's defeatist. <laughs> I don't know where to start. That's um, all. Why not from the beginning? <laughs> that starts with the Warner Brothers logo, but apparently there's two versions with two different logos. Really? Uh, apparently, yeah. I didn't hear There's that. There's one with the anniversary logo and one with the classic logo. Oh, I didn't even catch that at all. Well, I hope I watched the right one. Oh, that's the only change. Oh, okay. All right. That's, that's yeah. the only all right. thing. I don't know. Did stuff hold up for you? Stuff still holds up for okay. I still think it's a it's a very good movie. I think it's an interesting movie. It's still a good, different kind of, you know, police crime thriller. 
than you're used to seeing. Uh, some stuff in the movie, now that I'm watching it more as an adult, it's a bit convenient. I mean, I watched this when it came right when it came out on uh, tape. We uh, we rented it from uh, what's local tape? Video, right? What's tape for the so young there ones used to out be there? VHS uh, video cassette <laughs> tapes where you take them and then you'd put these film tapes in your VCR. Wow! And then at the end, you take the VCR out. You have to rewind well, it. I know. I had a Betamax. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> That's beyond me. <laughs> uh, but like we, I rented it. So if it came out in '98. Probably rented it in ninety eight. It was summer ninety eight, so probably fall, it winter. Maybe, maybe, maybe it came out. As, yeah, I think you're in the late nineties, so stuff comes out a little quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I watched it when I was like that old, and at that point, it was like I was really kind of starting to get into film and writing my own little scripts and stuff. So, Aww. I think at that point, it was like this was a good, you know, cop movie. And sure. I was starting to like more adult stories. So, I think I really enjoyed the story for Negotiator. I enjoyed the acting in the Negotiator, and some of that stuff still holds up, but a lot of the movie has a lot of convenience. Like there's a lot of convenient yeah. plot points that happens in the movie, which I did notice. Such as? Uh, such as getting to the bottom of the case, the entire end of the movie is very much like, uh, right. So we kind of botched it. So Danny's got to get out now. He's well, us well, the, the ending was rewritten because the ending was initially going to be this, like they call it a Mexican standoff where everyone has a gun on everyone else. And they were going to have this, like all these 150 cops at a railway station holding their guns at, Danny and Sabian like and it was just going to be the standoff at this like railroad and it's like mm, and then space is like that's been done before let's not do that so this ending kind of they, they've created this ending it does feel tacked on it Absolutely, does feel yeah. that way because there's really no like, like how he escapes so he puts on the gear and then he meets Sabian downstairs in the boiler room which is he walks right past where Sabian was. Who clearly he saw him. And then he, he's like, you want to stay alive? Let's do exactly what I say. And the next time you see him, he's just walking out. Well, what happened? How did you get out? Sabian probably hit him somewhere. I guess. He probably had one more smoke bomb. They just didn't show it. There. They didn't. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just convenient. Yeah. A lot of the plot points of finding the, finding the right files at the right time, like finding Nate's, his uh, partners, finding Danny's partner's informant file right when he's talking right. to the possible informant right. right at that last possible second is like oh well good good job rudy but that's pretty convenient yeah uh new bomb finally so, suddenly going no I, it was me it was me and i get that he wanted to get him shot but it was just kind of like he could have done that before or after yeah yeah yeah. it's just a lot of the solving solving of the case kind of becomes secondary to the fact that he's a hostage negotiator taking hostages right and it's just like well we've got this mystery we set up now we've got to solve it I do think that the mystery drives the movie in terms of uh, like discovering who killed, killed, like what's going on. Like that does drive the movie. And I think they do do a good job. And by that, I mean the director and the writers do a good job of not tipping their hand too much about who is involved. Yes. Uh, Because you because they I mean, if you've watched enough movies, you knew that was it wasn't David Morse's character Beck because he was coming on so strong to kill him. And at that point, you're just like, mm, that's a little too much. Right. And you also get the beginning. He's very strong to kill the uh, the guy in the beginning. He's sweat. Too. He wants to go in. That's, yeah, that's what he does. No, I, I, the, but I, they, they do kind of keep it like anybody can be. They don't do like slow pans or. Sudden, like slow lookaways, like yeah, oh it, no, I'm they, devious, right? And it, they did do a couple of shots, uh, close-ups of different people, different, you know, and you don't really know who's the ringleader. You don't really know who's, you know, who's doing what. So they do 
a good job of that throughout the movie. And that kind of what keeps everyone, I think everyone interested in the movie is you want to know who did what the opening when I like the opening scene. That's pretty hardcore that that dude's going to blow off his own daughter's face. But uh, <laughs> that I like the opening scene. The only stuff about the opening that I questioned was are are, are news programs really are, interviewing hostage negotiators is that are they really celebrities i was thinking the same thing i was like is he a superhero i don't yeah, understand yeah, I, what's going on i i didn't understand that. i i mean i am i was like it wasn't the first time yeah it's really odd like isn't there some kind of is there some kind of mandate in the police department don't talk to the press <laughs> probably yeah it should be the lawyers or whatever yeah or just the chief and is every cop movie in the 90s takes place in chicago a shot in chicago like like it just seems like chicago or pittsburgh like yeah, like it was <laughs> fugitive. Then you had this isn't a cop movie, but the Keanu Reeves one where uh, they have got the fusion generator chain reaction. Chain reaction. Uh, there's a couple more I'm missing, but like it, they just did one that took place in Chicago. What's that? Uh, Mr. Brooks. Was that? I thought that was St. Louis. Was that Chicago? I thought that was Chicago. Okay, we say it's Chicago. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Was there tax credits in the nineties that we didn't know about? I don't know. Oh, maybe we were just sick of doing it in Los Angeles and New York, which makes sense. I get you. That's true. That could be. Plus the the Bruce Willis one also took place in Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, the one striking distance. Yeah. Oh my God, that's right. I re- did. I like that movie. I like that movie. I, was. I remember that was like he was like a boke. That's right. D'Onofrio's in that. Yep. You're right. You're right. I don't know if I like that movie. I can't remember. <laughs> he's what I remember of striking. He's putting it on the list it. right now. <laughs> so if I don't, I'm not going to do it for ten weeks until I edit it. I'm like, Shit, I didn't put it on the list. <laughs> so Danny gets set up and you know it's I guess I guess that was the intent to set him up and and, and to, to set him up hardcore but his lawyer in the beginning of, is so is, bad that is terrible <laughs> I need a moment to talk to my client Danny you're fucked like, <laughs> take the deal Danny Danny yeah. told you he's innocent you what don't, deal is exactly you don't even fight he can't name names he doesn't know yeah I I, I didn't get that his lawyer was you know, I can understand why Danny would take somebody hostage because his lawyer wasn't helping. He's like, yeah, you're going to jail. You're going to have to name names. Right. But there's no names. What, what's the plea? What's the plea he's going to take? <laughs> All right. You sign this agreement. Now name some names. Uh, Easter Bunny. <laughs> um, and then there's they talk. So he takes some hostage. And, and when they my when they first do the hostage stuff and, and, and Rifkin shows up or Frosty shows up and he takes him and, and everyone starts. You know, court. Uh, you know, bordering off the area. I love the action beats that come in, and the first thing you see is the back door of the police van opening up, and they're unloading sawhorses, like a sawhorse that no one's gonna use. I love that. I as well. Wait, before we get to that, before then, when he takes the hostages, yeah. There's something that's very 90s that happens in the film. The only like super lame, cheesy 90s thing they do. Aside, the, aside of the computers that they're oh, using. Aside the super 90s computer is when, when he pulls the gun out and he, they zoom in on Samuel Jackson. He's got the gun and goes, I'm not going to jail today. <laughs> and it's a slow zoom on him while he's doing that. I'm just like, oh, that that was so. In the well, trailer. that's in the trailer. Oh, no, yeah, that's, that's definitely a trailer be, one. Yeah. That is that shot was like Gary Gray going, we need a trailer shot. Zoom in on Sam. <laughs> Sam. Say it as Sam Jackson as you can. <laughs> no, that was definitely a trailer. <laughs> uh, I I can't stand the line in when they set up when they set up the little mobile station to do the negotiating, and then John Spencer, who's playing Chief Travis in line, goes, 
he, we're blind and he's seeing 2020. It's like, oh, God. I'm <laughs> sure, speak. I'm sure that line sounded great on the page, but that does not play. That was that was that was cringing. I, I love I love that once they get the uh, their little headquarters on the barge, it is just this like who's who of every white dude that's ever played cops yeah. in films in the 80s and 90s all together. Yep. And what it's like the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the cop cinematic universe all coming together. <laughs> Every single one of them is always white guy cop, and they're all in the same place at the yep, same time. Yep, yep, uh, absolutely. I love the fact that when they call Sabian, or when he asks for Chris Sabian, he's like, I only speak to Chris Sabian. And again, I think Travis is the line, he's from the West Side. I don't know how he knows him. I'm sorry, how big is this city? You, he, they're, okay, let's start hostage negotiators, okay? They probably go to the same seminars. They probably have, they know the same people that train the same people. That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, he met him in a seminar, right? But no, it turned out it wasn't that. Well, no, they, they, they made it seem like they had, they, they both, it was on the border of their, wherever they work. And they, they, he came on and took over. Yeah. Yeah. But really, are we really thinking that he would never see another hostage negotiator? Give me a break. They go to the same classes. What does it matter? I don't know how he knows him. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? If he he wants him because he probably heard he's good. I don't know. And let's talk about, speaking of hostage negotiators, let's talk about Farley. <laughs> the worst negotiator <laughs> he, of all time. He's not, even a, he's not even a terrible negotiator. He's an awful cop. He's like a terrible cop. And like, he knows it. Like, you watch him doing the lines. It's like, he knows he's terrible. Danny's never taken a sick day. I've never had to do anything. And he's before. like, he's got to answer the phone. He's just like, oh. I, I don't know, guys. Oh, God. And everyone's like staring at him like, just you should have just fired him right there. Just you should have suspended him. Oh, man. He is the worst cop. It's a great scene, though. <laughs> he's, the, he's an awful cop. Can I get a priest? No, you can't get a priest. <laughs> good, Father. That's good. But you don't say. N- oh, God. <laughs> but I thought I thought that was really interesting. I really like that. Uh, <laughs> so I'm so sorry when I'm so, so sorry. Like, he's terrible. Even at the end. He's terrible when they have a, they come to the house and they find out that it's Frosty who did it. And they're all sitting there and, he, and he's holding his gun down. And he's just like, it's like, what are you doing there? Like, you, you, you shouldn't be here. You're, you're an awful cop. You're an awful cop. Just you need to retire. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only cop not wearing armor or any like suit or anything. Yeah. He's wearing a T-shirt with uh, yeah. his name badge clipped to his pocket protector. <laughs> and then they have the FBI guys show up. Oh, they're just right at a diehard. I hate those. They're out of diet. There's just, they're so black, too. They're just so like, ugh. Let's get government guys that look like government guys. But let's talk about the fact that they're wearing Fidelio headsets over around their neck throughout the. You didn't catch that? I did, yeah. So the headsets they're wearing are the old headsets that we used to have at the theater for, uh, for, 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 oh, uh, that's right. for impaired hear, hearing impaired. It's like, I'm watching it going, those are absolutely the headsets. They're not, because the, they had the little thing on the back that you could pick up the signal for the infrared. Yep. It's like, who did that? Like, what? Who did this? Did you did you go to a theater and find these and like, well, these are for the these are the FBI guys ones. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they get special. They're listening to someone else giving. Yeah, information. those are those are headsets from movie theaters. I'm telling you right now. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Get somebody on the phone that did the negotiator production design. Those are headsets from a movie theater. I love the gigantic cell phone. The guy pulls out the FBI agent pulls out. Classic. <laughs> Where were you hiding that scene ago? <laughs> So you obviously like the one big line that you were saying before we started this. Uh, you want my blood, take my blood. Right. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this. Nobody hears that line. Nobody hears him yelling 20 floors up on a building with the helicopters, you know, choppers going. It's loud. It's windy. No one, no one hears him saying these lines. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know you love the line, but he's telling nobody. Nobody hears that line. It's a movie, man. Nobody it's hears the line. Belief. 
He's playing to the audience. I love that line. He doesn't get he doesn't he wants them to do it. You're absolutely right. He's playing to the audience, but nobody can hear what he's saying. It's like in Shazam when he's fighting the bad guy, and the bad guy's monologuing and they're and he's just like, I can't hear you. You're like, oh, I forgot. That yeah, part, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that. It's like he's he's monologuing and it's for nothing, for no reason. Explain. Oh, no, he's on. The, he's got his radio out as well. Like, so oh, is that what here. it is? Yeah. Oh, and I take the it back. People on then. the ground are listening as well, because one of the reporter ladies has the uh, I take it back. Police officer's I take radio, it back then because right. she promised to date him or something like that. I'll go out with you. This radio. I didn't realize you were writing subplots. <laughs> she's holding the police officer's radio and he's just like she's got it on her. Her he's, okay. Oh, that's good then. I, I, you know what? I take it back. I take it. I take it all. back. So they're actually listening to the whole thing. And that's after that. That's when he makes his big speech. He comes back out of that room afterward does this whole big speech and they're like get turn to channel three turn it because they, uh, they're hearing it on the okay news. okay my bad my bad my my mistake so they're not hearing him shout out the 20 floor window but he's he's broadcasting everything i got you i got you those are some bad those are some bad guys like going through the window breaching at that point is just such a stupid idea hey we can't see anything we got a breach oh and they're just, coming down the because the building's probably like what 40 floors uh, there's definitely a bunch of floors above where he is as well. Right. Well, they shot the so they shot everything outside uh, in Chicago, but the Internal Affairs Office where they you know they they most of the stuff takes place, most of the action takes place, it was shot in a studio in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they had a um huge poster. I have a 160 by 40 foot poster of the Chicago like what you would see out the windows gotcha, uh, yep. that hung outside the window. For, for during the scene, nice. so yeah, I thought I like that, that was interesting. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. You got to control that environment. You're not going to do that in a real because they destroy that office. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Now it takes, and I I I paused that so I know it takes 43 minutes in the movie when you finally get Chris Sabian to come out. Sure. Did that? Did you like that? Did you not like that? Did you mind that? I think you. Ha I didn't mind it, but you in order to set up the mystery of the fund being stolen from his buddy getting killed. Right. His, the guys turning on him the, in order for you to know about Danny's group circle of friends and the type of person he is, you, you kind of need that. Cause you have a whole, you have to introduce Danny. You got to introduce everybody else. You got to introduce the mystery. Sabian coming in. I mean, he, he comes in and then he never leaves. Obviously mm -hmm. I don't, <sighs> Maybe if you have him at some point in the somewhere in the movie, maybe he's at the retirement party. Maybe he, you know what I mean? Like maybe he knows somebody there that, that, that might've been probably a little bit better just to kind of show. I don't, I think them having a relationship might've been better or maybe, maybe they don't like each other. Maybe how about that? Maybe they're at, maybe they're, they get into a fight at the, at some, at that. What was it? it was a, was it a retirement party? No, it was like a birthday party, right? Or a celebration. How many years on the fourth? Yeah. 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 Some kind of anniversary party. Maybe have him. Maybe they get into an argument about something. I don't know. Maybe they just don't like each other's style, but he respects them. That that probably would have been better. I think I don't mind it how it is now, but I also wouldn't mind having him in the somewhere in the beginning of the movie. Gotcha. That that might that probably would play a little bit it better. It connects him more to everybody there. You know, he because he constantly because he at the end is just like, I'm gonna help you. And while that's great because that that's what you need to happen at the end of the end of the movie, there's really no you don't know any motivation on why he would help him. I think that the situation's out of control, and at that point, he doesn't trust the cops and he doesn't like the cops. At this point, he's lost. Somebody's gotten killed. 
yeah, at first he thinks Danny killed the cop, and now but Newbaum's definitely, definitely dead. So at that point he's just like, well, you've ruined my five year nobody dying thing. Right. So screw you. Why do you keep trying to kill him? You keep shooting. Like clearly go, oh, Danny fired first, but they could all hear that the machine gun fire went first. Right. So it's like you he knows that it was you know, yeah. the SWAT team, regardless of whether it was Morse's character going, yeah, go do it. Back, yeah, yeah. So I think at that point, he's just on the edge. He just doesn't know who to trust. I think it would be, but here's the thing. He's a cop. So right. you're not going to go against your boys in blue, quote unquote. Um, well, see, the thing is, it's not as, not as, I Danny should, is a boy in blue. That's what I'm saying. Not as easy right. to go. Like, it's going to be, I think you would, I think he goes a little too easy. If he's an FBI negotiator, and he and that and Danny knows him from some other way and he calls him in because whatever right. there he's quote unquote. And now he's an outsider. So now he doesn't know the people in the room. They act like Chicago is nobody knows anybody. They, these people would cross paths at some point. They would know through, you know, rumor and innuendo from people in the force about other people. You know what I mean? Like right. oh, SWAT on the West Side is terrible. That kind of thing. Little he, things. He should be flown in from another big city like Detroit or something. Right. Some, yeah. Somewhere close by. And it's like we got to fly him in and like you right. want. Instead of 20 minutes, you know, you get an hour to fly Chris Sabian here. Right, right. And maybe he's doing it on the phone. Whatever. But no, I, I give it somebody bigger. Right. I'm not saying that I don't like the way it is in the movie. I think it's fun. It works and it, it plays. I'm thinking I just think it maybe, Maybe there might have been a stronger way to use Chris Sabian and, and or their relationship or just, you know, his outsider influence within that room. Gotcha. Yeah. The way we're talking about. But. That's a different movie, so whatever. So when they remake this 20 years from now, maybe they'll do that. <laughs> I really didn't mind the 43 minutes. I was just surprised. I was like, wow, it's been 43 minutes. But like you said, you need time to build up the case, build up Danny, build up right. the cops and stuff like that in their relationship. I just wondered if you would have a take on that. Because there were a couple other times where we've done movies where it's taken this long or longer sometimes to get to your second character. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, it, it's a big build up. Well, sometimes it, it works, yeah. sometimes it does. I think it works here, but sometimes it doesn't. Well, the all the poster art, and all the promotion for the movie basically, you know, hypes up. Side. Yeah. Hypes the two of them, but it's Danny's movie. Oh yeah. It's so, a Samuel Jackson right. Movie. So it's not really Sabian's film. He's in support of Jackson in this movie, Kevin Spacey. So it's just, I think that we're putting him on equal footing just because of the promotion for it, which I understand because you want to sell tickets. Right. Yeah. I think that's another reason I, I really like this film is that it's really Samuel Jackson's movie. And he so often plays, I mean, awesome characters, but he's so often playing second fiddle or side by side with someone else. He doesn't like, so he carries a movie sometimes just because of his gravitas and you like Samuel L. Jackson. But so seldom do you see a movie where this is his, he's the negotiator. He is yeah. the character of this movie. It's his story. It's his character. It's, it's everything is him. And uh, I think that's another reason I really like this movie is because it really shows off, you know, what Sam can do, Sam Jackson can do if he's given his own vehicle. Just, I don't like the hair. I don't, yeah, I it's, didn't, I didn't it's get it. off-putting. Like he dyed it or it's fake or whatever. It's the color. I just, it's, it's off-putting. It's fine. You get used to it 10 minutes it's in. It's the but 90s. Yeah. So no, I get of- it. I get it. It's, that's, that's just, you know, somebody, I mean, I'm wondering if he's like, yo, I'm going to do my hair like this. I'm like, okay. Like, I mean, you're really going to tell, because he's hot off of Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is 94. And his star is super is on the rise big time. Is this um before or after Coach Carter? Coach Carter was ninety. No, Coach Carter was two thousand. I think. Okay, so but this okay. is when he's basically he can pick whatever script he wants. 
I mean, he probably still like me, but yeah. No, no, no. I know. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying the start of it. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, I mean, of, yeah. he was doing a bunch of stuff. He obviously was. I just said he was gonna do the right thing. So that was what early late eighties. Yeah, he's been doing stuff yeah, for yeah. a long time. But it, but when he was in Pulp Fiction, right that's when. 90, I think. Yeah, yeah. When he was in, when he got nominated, it was just like boom. He was he could do whatever he wants. I'm sure he could do. I like you said, he could do whatever he wants now. I mean, I get why you're doing Nick Fury because it's an easy paycheck and you work what maybe tw- you know one week out of the year or oh, whatever yeah, it is. Sure, yeah. I get it. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so it's, he, I just was, the hair was just like, oof. Like it just doesn't, I was just like, okay. I saw it's just like, wait, is it graying? Is it No, blonde? it was like, it's, it's like blonde brown. I, it's, it's, it's blonde, dyed. Yeah, it's, it's red color. or something like that. Yeah. That's like, fine. Go red, go blonde, go black, yeah. go bald. I don't, what color is this? I don't know what color this is. Do you remember when, I don't know if he did it for a movie. Do you remember when Clooney bleached his hair? George mm-hmm. Clooney. I don't, I don't know if he did it for a movie or not. And it was just like, whoa, what's happening there? Like, yeah. It was just, you know, I get it. It's fine. Or like when Tom Cruise did it for Interview with a Vampire. Oh, he actually. You didn't know that? I thought it was a wig. Oh, no, maybe. No, I thought he did. Oh, oh maybe wow. it was a okay. wig. I don't know. Mm, I gotta check that out. But no, everyone was all picked, ticked off that he had blonde hair. What's his name? Uh, Zach Efron just did that. Oh, for what? It's if he did it for a role, it still hasn't oh, come out. Whatever. But it was like he bleached it white. It's just like. It's all white, white. white? Oh, not anymore, but it was for like right. a year or two. So it's fine. That's weird. I don't mind it. I've I've dyed my hair before. I know you probably haven't. I did. Uh, what's it called? The tips. Yeah, frosted, frosted tips, tips back in the nineties because you know you had to. You had to. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to. You didn't have to. But who wouldn't? I, I, I dyed my hair blue. <laughs> you did. <laughs> that was not the nineties. No, that was a couple of years ago. <laughs> a year ago, whatever. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> I have no problem dyeing my hair. <laughs> I don't know why we're getting on this, but yeah. <laughs> I like the <laughs> going back to the movie. Uh, no, let's talk about hair dye. All right, go ahead. Samuel Jackson, I think, only says motherfucker one time in this movie. Well, it's a PG 13. Oh, no, it's rated R. It is rated R. Which part? He goes uh, when he's talking to Farley. Or no, no, he doesn't say it. Never mind. Rudy says it. Samuel Jackson doesn't say it at all. It's a little disappointing. Right, right. Rudy says, don't say no, no more, motherfucker. And he throws the thing. I like Rudy a lot. Rudy's funny. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. I think he does a really good job with that role. Yeah. Well, Paul Giamatti's good. That's the thing is, like, yeah. I remember Rudy. Like, I, I remembered most of this movie. I didn't remember who which ones were the bad cops, like, other than Frosty, obviously. Frosty. Frosty which I I didn't mind it when I watched it back they kept in the saying day. It. They kept saying but they, it. He kept saying Frosty so often. I was just like, just at least once or twice call him by his real name. <laughs> really annoying. Mm-hmm. Hey Frosty! Hey Frosty! 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 <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> but I think Paul Giamatti, like I remember him very well in this movie because his lines are so, so well done. He, right. he really seems like this nervous guy trying to like get in the conversation, be Danny's friend, be on his side mm-hmm. at, at first because he just wants to not get shot, and then as it goes on, because he starts to root for Danny. So he talks about how the ending was tacked on. Yeah. Do you like the ending? Do you like the whole Shane uh, aspect when he shoots him? I don't mind the ending. I just think it's a bit rushed. I think it's all a bit like we got to end this. Yeah, We're oh, at yeah. two hours. We got to we got to we got to put a capper on this. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like when we do a podcast and we're mm-hmm. like, how long are we on time? Oh, we got to wrap it up. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're waiting for Samuel Jackson to be like, why do you think this is forgotten? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what this kind of that's what kind of reminded me of. of just like uh, like the writers are just on page, you know, yeah. one twenty five. Well, going, this we well, got to get him. This out. is a rewrite. So or this is the, so who knows? Like, I don't even know. If it, 
was more again. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Right. But yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the fake out. I like that they don't conveniently find, you know, the floppy disk with the right information. That, so it's just a bluff. Yeah. That it, the whole thing's just a bluff. That's more interesting than them going, we're at the house. We found it. Don't shoot. I got it. Yeah, but but they're not going to get. Here's the thing, though. They're not going to get convicted because there's no proof. Circumstantial. Just because he said it doesn't mean it's true. They're, they're going to get off. Absolutely going to get off. They'd have to find other ways to prove it. But also, Danny's going to jail. Oh, I was thinking <laughs> at the end. I'm like, there's no way he still took hostages. He, he took still ho- assaulted people. He took hostages. And you could make a case that, not saying that they will, but you can make a case that he could get involuntary manslaughter because his hostage situ- situation led to the death of Nebom. Like, Nebom doesn't get shot if Danny doesn't go in there and hold him hostage and create the situation that had happened. Yeah, but you also have the fact that he was shot all in the chest, that it was definitely assassination no. style. On purpose, he was murdered. You're, it wasn't an accident. You're, right. you're absolutely right. But if I'm, a, if I'm the lawyer, which I'm not a lawyer, but if I'm the lawyer, I'm arguing that when Nebom took the money, he wasn't going to blab. He already got paid off. It only when Danny took him hostage that he revealed his quote-unquote secret, then he became somebody who was dangerous, who needed to be put down. I'm just saying. But you can also make the case that if somebody did their due diligence and actually investigated the case, sure. Nibam would still be in that situation where he would be targeted and possibly assassinated. You're absolutely right. But I- regardless of that, Danny still cost millions upon millions yes. of taxpayer dollars right. to do this crime. He still assaulted an officer to begin with. Yep. Two officers. He's, and he, he wasn't an officer Scott, when he did it. But he beat it. He was, yeah, he was taken yeah. off. He's a civilian. Yep. You know, and he wasn't carrying a firearm. He disarmed another guy. But right, right. But still, he was. It's of his own volition. So the the the, the police isn't liable for his behavior. Right. So yeah, no, he's in trouble. There's still endangerment charges going on. I mean, he's not. He's not. Maybe gonna go Rudy's to jail. dropping the charges, but Maggie ain't dropping those charges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not going to jail, but he's gonna. He probably would be able to be a cop again. No. Would he yeah. what would he really want to be a cop again at that point? What about Sabian? Would Sabian get in trouble too? Probably. Mm. He's a hostage negotiator. He's not supposed to be doing what he did. He's still negotiating and trying to save the lives of the hostages, despite that everything was going against him trying to kill the hostages. He probably would he would get he would get the uh, feds would probably try to stop him, like try to get him. Well was, also that's the thing too. It's a federal building. So he's getting federal charges against him. And Sabian might not get suspended or might not get fined, but he might get rewarded by not rewarded, but basically promoted so that he's no longer in that position. But you're out. He's out of that position. Oh, you know like what I mean? A, like, a, yeah. like, a, like a bad promotion. I like how we're, I like like how an, we're breaking down. the like, <laughs> an, like, a, like an Admiral Cap, like an Admiral Kirk kind of thing. Right. No, you, no, no, no. you do too much. We're going to promote you. Get out of a ship. <laughs> Why do you got to make it about Star Trek? Because we haven't mentioned Star Trek. <laughs> But I'm just trying to think of upward promotions where people didn't want it. Yeah, no, I got yeah. yeah, to, uh, yeah obviously, For sure. Let's... But I think Sabian, I don't think Sabian would mind that after that. I think this is the kind of case where you're just like, I'm kind of I'm kind of set. Speak... I'll, go, I'll go ski with my family. Now. Oh, speaking of that, <laughs> I was just going to bring that up. Speaking of Sabian and that, does he love his wife? Like, clearly, like he was She's on the daughter's side. Yeah. She said, you look wide. <laughs> and he's wide to town. And he's like laughing and his wife's upset. And gee, I thought maybe like maybe it's like a stepmom thing. Like it's not it's his girlfriend. And you know what I mean? Maybe it was that kind of thing. But no, it's like that's straight up their daughter, his wife. And he's just kind of like, well, I think he just finds the whole situation ridiculous. So that's why he's laughing. Like she's she's being a little over over dramatic. Right. 
I do like that that's how it began. Like he can't talk his daughter off the phone or his wife out of the room. I, I, <laughs> I kind of like that beginning. But what I don't like is his constant changing of clothes. He goes from his blue ski shirt to a gray sweater. Yeah. Or sweatshirt to a blue button up that he gets randomly and just suddenly has in the movie. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. They never really. How did you get that blue button up? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that he shows up with a ski outfit on, but uh, I was just like, you're going to wear that the whole movie. That's what I was like. I was like, the poster doesn't show you with the ski. <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody give me some cooler clothes, please? You're going to change. Tw- you're going to have three. Three uh, clothes changes. Farley, what are you doing? Go down to JCPenney. Give me some clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, man. All right. Anybody want some donuts? God, he sucks as a a cop. (laughs) It's the worst cop. No, I don't want donuts. No, say no. (laughs) I don't. The other thing that I find weird in the movie is. At the very beginning of the movie, it's we're supposed to believe it's getting colder in Chicago. It's it's like around wintertime or fall. Yeah. Yes. But the beginning of the, the film gives you this very orange lighting outside inside the apartment it's very you're, los angeles middle of the summer kind of night you're talking lighting. about when they're negotiating when the when, when the Danny's beginning. negotiating yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, okay the father out of killing his daughter right, right right it just looks like it's we're supposed to be in a heat wave you know everybody's sweating everybody's on edge but the the, the lighting is orange the lighting is yellow right right windows are open it's just like, okay, so it's summertime, but then they have shoot the next scene and Danny's talking about how cold it is outside. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a really weird way to light that scene compared to the rest of the film. And even when they're outside going to like the federal building or you're at Danny's house in the daylight, it's all gray and cold. But that one scene is very warm, lit, lit and colored, very, very warm, like a Los Angeles cop movie. That makes sense. I thought that was very weird. Maybe they shot in a different location. Maybe, but I still like, don't understand why you light it, you color it orange. Well, because it's, uh, yeah, that's true. That's, that's, maybe it's just, it's, I mean, it does, well, the whole rest of the movie takes place at night almost. Almost, but you get those few day scenes in between after the party. Right. And you're supposed to believe it's cold, it's cloudy outside, but it's, it's, I think it's mentioned that it's getting close to winter or it's getting, you're in winter closing on spring, one of the two. Well, I mean, you got to think that from the time that he gets in trouble to when his lawyers, you know, that oh, might, you think between the funeral to that, it's a, it's. A, I mean, you got to, yeah, they're probably making a case for him to 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 kind of go because it's not going to happen right away, right? So you think it's been a few months, yeah, in between. All right, all right. yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm I'm reading here like so they shot in Chicago, and they shot in L.A. I guess the police station was in L.A. That probably that's probably indoors. Um. Yeah, I, maybe maybe they shot everything outside at night in Chicago, but everything else was L.A. So they they might have done that scene in L.A. You yeah, know? but I just, still, I hear you. Yeah, the lighting is just. But there, I mean, you, sh- you I think you definitely have to think that there's a, mo- a a gap between when he his partner's killed and when they knock on that door to investigate his house. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure when he goes outside, even in the party, they're blowing on their hands and the. When oh, Nate's right. killed, the yeah. guy's wearing the big coat. No, you're clothes. right. You're right. They're outside. Yep. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just. I mean, it looks cool. I mean, maybe yeah. they were just like, hey, this looks cool. Like, it's like an action movie kind of. Right. And then we'll tone it down. But I don't know. So I don't think this movie is forgotten so much. Maybe. What do you think? I think it's kind of forgotten. I think when it in, first came out. It in used what to be way? All over TV. People you were talking. You, you'd always hear people talk about it. It would be up there with the cop movies. Now I think that, A, it's got Kevin Spacey. Oh, come on, man. And I think that 
Listen, you know, you don't see it on, you know, the Netflix rotation or anything like it's not available streaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that when people talk about, hey, what's your top five cop movies? You know, this is oh, this is not top five. But I don't think it's on it for me either. But I think it's a very good movie. I think it has a lot of good, interesting points to it. And I don't think it's it's not a cop movie that you see normally, like the plot and the way the movie moves and paces itself is mm-hmm. different than most movies i mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. yeah um the fact that it's mostly one location it's, it's a cop movie but it kind of puts it on par with like a uh a phone booth or what was it? something Hold else on. takes place the colin the- farrell movie phone booth like movies that like thrillers that take place in one location oh okay okay uh, there are two the uh, phone booth and something else came out early 2000s that was like one location and it was like a crime thriller not like a horror movie i don't know I had in the back of my head and I can't remember, but I think that kind of separates itself from other cop movies as well, where it's like the killers on like even the fugitive person's on the run. You have multiple locations, a big manhunt. This is let's it's mostly acting, less action. The fugitive is fantastic. The what's up? Fugitive is fantastic. Well, I'm not I hear saying you. this. No, is, I know. I'm not I know what you're put saying. put down in the fugitive. I'm just saying a lot of those kind of movies have multiple locations. And right. It's like a man on the run kind of a thing. Where you think this movie is very good. I think this movie is good. Um, I I don't love it as much as you do, but I don't like. I said it's not like I hate it. Like mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed watching it. It's two twenty, but it didn't feel two twenty. It was because I said the mystery and the you idea. need that setup right. at the beginning, yeah. And I don't know if this movie is affected by quote unquote Kevin Spacey. I don't know why I'm quoting the the <laughs> fact that Kevin Spacey's in this movie. I think that I think two things can be mutually mutually exclusive he can be a fantastic actor and be in stuff that you enjoy and he could be somebody who obviously has done some stuff that's inappropriate and he's you know in trouble for that with good reason right um they can be they both can be correct so i don't think you should i mean he's been in some movies that are really good and he is really good as an actor oh no that's that doesn't excuse and no no no, i'm saying not for you i'm saying that doesn't excuse everything that comes you know in real life quote unquote, not in the movies I mean, this podcast is about what's in the, on film, right? So I don't, I, I, I hope that his older films are not being like, oh, screw that movie, like, oh, screw it, like Confidential because of Kevin Spacey. You can't, you, you, you can't be that way, right? But again, I'm not, I'm not condoning everything else. That God no, right? I do think that that kind of shapes like maybe why it's not on streaming services and stuff. Like sure, that. he's like, oh, Kevin, Spacey, I don't know if we're gonna buy this to put on our streaming right. service, right? Does that make us look bad because he's on the covers of stuff? Right. But I can go through and I, I get that. Right. I, I, I understand people's hesitancy for that kind of stuff. But if you start breaking down every person that you love in movies, uh, I'll show you some people that have done pretty horrible things, just as horrible as Spacey and their past. Like, now, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about like 40s, 50s so stuff. Like when people got away with stuff right. because, yeah. you know, people hit it or people, you know, they'll ruin their image and, you know, like that kind of stuff. And, and you know, there, we're not all saints, but again, I'm not condoning any of that. I just don't think I, I it it shouldn't affect somebody like watching and liking the negotiator, um, or movies that he's in or movies that anybody's in that you don't like or so they did something that's horrible. And I mean, I get it. There's some like I'll watch something and I'll not with him, but any mo- person and I'll see something and I'll be like, mm, that guy's not a good guy. I like this movie, but that guy's not a good guy. Like stuff like right. that. Yeah. Well, it's like the first time he pops up in the movie, I'm like Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I know. and then to kind of yeah, just start, watch the movie. It's like. You know, everybody gives Tom Cruise crap about being a Scientologist, but then you go watch you watch his movies. Yeah. Well, what happened was when he was going quote unquote crazy, mm-hmm. he had fired his PR person and then his sister took over. And it was just like 
they weren't reining them in. Like they were just like, yeah, go ahead, have fun. And then it was just like, okay, we need to pull that back. <laughs> when we said have fun, we didn't mean have that. Much we, did, we mean we were crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but this is also 98. This is also when Kevin Spacey is blowing up as well. I mean, 99 is when he does American Beauty, but this is when he starts, you know, on the rise with all his movies, Usual Suspects, everything's coming out. And, and, and 97 was LA Confidential. So he had a series of like every movie he was in was great. Then he did K-Pax and then, you know, Really, I know you like K-Pax. That's why I said I that. That's why I said that. But, uh, yeah. but I also think that, you know, 98 people my age, like in their 30s are like, wait, to, like I watched this movie, but I'm, I'm kind of I was kind of a weirdo kid. The people that were my age weren't watching The Negotiator and people that are my age now ha- probably haven't seen the go gone back and watched. The I agree with that. Yeah. And it's like you want a good crime thriller. Watch The Negotiator. I also think that other than like, obviously, there's way too many cop shows yeah. on I'm, TV. I'm, yeah, but I'm not they, a big, but they sell. People watch yeah, them. I think they also. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't think there are very many good cop shows. Well, you need to watch Law and Order: Criminal Intent. But I go on, they're, they're all procedural. Law and Order: Criminal Intent. Go ahead. Yeah. Criminal Intent. Anyway, you don't see a lot of these as as like crime thrillers as films anymore. Sure, There's not the not too many as you mean these like these type of movies. These type of movies, and I think that this is one you can go back to and watch and that you haven't seen, and it's it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I that's think fine. that's why that's more why it's forgotten. Not yeah. that the people who didn't see it don't remember it and like it. But. Tastes change too. So this movie's probably you know, been there, done that kind of thing for in terms of getting it made and people seeing it. Like mm-hmm. you said, you don't like cop show procedurals and stuff like that. So you're perfectly, you know, okay with blowing over criminal intent, which is awesome. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but I'll also say that, you know, this is for people that only know Sam Jackson. And I tell you right now, there are people that only know Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. Oh, screw those guys. <laughs> exactly. Like, you're like, listen, you got to go back and start watching some of his older stuff because He's more than just Nick Fury. Do you really think that? Okay, so Iron Man is 2008. Yeah. Okay, so it's 20 right now, right? Yeah. So let's say you were born in, let's say you were born in 2005, 2000, okay? Okay. So you're 20 years old now, okay? 20 year old. You didn't watch any Samuel Jackson movies up until you're eight years old. Yeah, I can't. So you're 20 years old now and you only know Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. But I think Sam Jackson is such a a name, such a character in and of itself that when you see Nick Fury, you think Sam Jackson? Not cinephiles. Not cinephiles. Not people that like movies that go see movies all the time. I get that. People that love. I'm telling you, there's there's 19, 20, 20, 19 to about 23, 24 who only know him primarily from. They probably never knew he was in Do the Right Thing. I can. Be, I we're can, probably talking about I suburban white that. dudes, but we're <laughs> but like that's what I'm saying. Like uh, they only know him as Nick Fury. Oh man, these people need to get slapped. <laughs> well, not slapped, <laughs> but I mean, they need to be introduced to. Sam Jackson from the nineties and the eighties. And, and just, he is in a ton of stuff, right. a ton of stuff. They probably don't even know he was in Goodfellas. Oh, man, these people. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, all right. So yeah. So yeah, we negotiator, check it out, please. Or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not getting any money off of that. So no, knows? you got to buy it. You got to rent it. It's not available for streaming. Oh, that's right. You gotta take the two ninety nine hit, or just go. I'm sure. I'm. I guarantee you, it's in the Walmart five ninety nine bin. Maybe not a Blu ray. Is it a Blu ray? Did they have it on Blu ray? I only ever had the a VHS. I had to. <laughs> I had to rent it. <laughs> All right. I'm looking. I'm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Wikipedia Butler, and I'm gonna find out if it's if got Blu ray. And while I do that, tell everyone where they can find us. You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com, as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, we release episodes every Wednesday. You can find us wherever podcasts are available as well. So wherever you're listening to this or wherever your friends are, that's where you can listen to this. 
podcast. Uh, we're on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema, where we post things every weekday, including some awesome commercials. We think they're awesome every Thursday Whoa. for your enjoyment. So uh, Wikipedia failed me. It is. It's on Amazon for it's on Amazon Blu-ray for nine ninety nine. So when you're listening to this episode, if you want to go buy it on Amazon Blu-ray, go to our blog post because on the bottom of the blog post, you can actually click on the Amazon link to go buy it. And then that gets that's how you can support us by using the affiliate link down below. So every blog post now has the little Blu-ray has the icon on the bottom where you can buy the movie. So go buy it on Amazon and that'll support us. And then you can buy it for right now. It's ten dollars. And this is we're doing this podcast episode when october october 2nd october 2nd you're not you're not listening to this probably sometime in december right so a uh, perfect uh holiday gift i'm Ooh. sure it might go down should i add a cash register sound effect right now prime free one day i mean what are you people waiting for here Maybe negotiate a blu-ray 9.99 let's go people you can't negotiate a lower price <laughs> oh boy <laughs> on that note join us next week and we're going to be doing a movie from 1988 we're going back 10 years to a movie that butler's never heard of called d OA. No clue what this movie is. Starring Dennis Quaid and is Meg Ryan in that movie? I think Don't she, ask me, man. Meg Ryan is in this movie. And she cheated on Dennis Quaid. <laughs> that has nothing to do with DOA. Are you sure? <laughs> well, anyways, we're doing DOA. <laughs> That's next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. How about how he asked for food and blankets? And then they got them. They got they? The, they got blankets. I don't know what food they got, but they got blankets. They got nothing. Yeah. They they want his <laughs> blood, apparently. <laughs> you want my-